What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the I'm Getting There podcast. It's your host, Michael Booth, and I'm here once again with a brand new episode for you guys and a brand new guest today. I have comedian Sarah Kahari on the podcast. Uh, this was a cool episode. Uh, I get to know Sarah a little bit more. We talk a lot about bass and music in this one, uh, and also just comedy and, and a whole bunch of stuff. This is a really cool episode to sit down and chat with her and get to know her. Please go follow her on Instagram at Sarah Kahari Comedy and click the link in her bio to learn more about when she's got shows and stuff that she's doing. Uh, also, if you could follow the podcast on Instagram at I'm Getting There Pod, all one word. I'll make sure to tag her in the episode when I post it up. And if you do me a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Hit the link in the bio. Uh, I think I'm on almost every pla- or platform now that you can get a podcast on. So uh, please subscribe so you know when the next episode is dropping. And if you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and uh, rate the podcast. Give us feedback. Uh, I always enjoy seeing that. And, and thank you to the people that have done that so far. Um, I do have some comedy shows coming up this month on February 16th. I'm hosting the Woodhouse Comedy Night at the Woodhouse Blending and Brewing in Santa Cruz with headliner Nina G. And also on that show is Jason Cruz, Anna Crestman, and Polly Escobedo. I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, Nina G is going to be recording her album at the Alameda Comedy Club on March 9th. So it's a cool uh, chance to see her before that. And uh, also, I'm uh, hosting the Bricks and Beer Comedy Night in Salinas once again. Um, on February 25th, that's at 9 p.m. Tickets are $10. Please uh, hit the link in my bio on my Instagram, or um, you can pay in person as well, or Venmo me, uh, Cash App at Laughing Booth. Um, headline on that show is Terry Dorsey. Then I have Walker Glenn, Irish Benson, and Mac Ruiz with myself hosting as well. So I'm pretty excited about those shows. Uh, make sure to come out to those. Um, you know, I have those shows I produce and host, put together. So. I uh, really enjoy seeing everybody and seeing regular people come out to those uh, every time. Um, so thank you to the those that do that, and thank you to people that listen to this podcast. Uh, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy this episode with Sarah. somebody i think because i don't think i we met until i booked you on the woodhouse i think it was the first time because i was trying to think if we met before that but i was like i don't think i mean i might have ran into you or something on a mic but um somebody hit me up and was like yeah you should book sarah and uh i don't know if we did meet before yeah and like it was cool because uh like after I added you and stuff, I saw that you also play bass, and I was like, "Oh, sweet!" And then, uh, yeah, I've been you like pop my social sometimes, and I'm like, "I'm like hell yeah!" Like, uh, how when did you start? Uh, when did you start playing bass guitar? Uh, believe it or not, I've been playing since high school. I just took like a really long break after college okay. because, like, naturally, like when you're in college, you're kind of in the space and people that also play music are really accessible and you have similar schedules and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. I transitioned into a day job. It was something where like, if you have like a legitimate project or like a band or something, I'm happy to hop on that. But beyond that, I kind of like, it's not so much that I lost interest. I had like more than I I had at least two jobs from the time I was like 17 until the time I was about 30. (laughs) So like just, yeah, spread and just kind of trying to pay for college and stuff but um yeah unfor- i would have loved to play 
base for all of that time, but I just kind of put it down for a little bit. So there was a time where I didn't play it, but I would say roughly from like the time I was 17 okay. until now. So off and on a really nice. long time. It's funny you said college. <laughs> like that's, I started playing in college. Like I was around people that Very were cool. musicians and it was like something I had always wanted to do, you know, and just never had the, the access to. So yeah, it's like, it's one of those, it's one of those things, like you said too. Like, yeah, I I was just playing by myself, and then like up until recently, uh, some of the Santa Cruz comics and myself started, you know, playing together. And like that's the only time I've ever been in like this is the first time I've ever played with people like this. And so, it is like an mm-hmm. interesting like change from just like by, being by yourself trying to learn tabs, trying to learn scales and stuff. Like kind of having somewhat of a mm-hmm. direction, and then you are you start playing with people, and it's like you get feeling, and you get like. Uh, you know, like playing with a drummer is like something that is like really changed kind of every the way I understand everything. It was like, whoa, this is like, Absolutely. this is really cool. <laughs> it's super funny that you say that because it segues into like a thing that came up that's almost like comedy relevant with one of my friends because we were talking about like perspectives on like tape and like reviewing it and stuff mm-hmm. to get better. And well, why don't you rely as much on tape? And it's because like, Honestly, I rely on tape mainly for visual things because I know I'm still kind of in a space of, like, figuring out what I look like on stage. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's still not as confident and strong as it needs to be, and I know that. So, really, that's the purpose that serves because it's yeah. the only way. But, like, with comedy and, like, music both um, from – I don't know how to explain it, but from the juncture you're talking about of, like, learning tabs and, like – trying to acclimate yourself to just like certain skill sets and then transitioning into like playing live and getting feel and all of that stuff is kind of how I felt with comedy where it's like, okay, I've given speeches. I've like mm-hmm. told written jokes, but never like this free form, whatever. And like kind of similar with music. And I remember when I first got into a band and a, a drummer I was playing with noticed that I was counting yeah. still like, um, three or four times like verse six times like chorus four times and like tapping my foot and i remember we're just like drinking water and talking and he's like hey are you still counting like every single measure like that and i was like yeah i mean (laughs) it's the first time i've done this like it just feels natural and he's like genuinely if you're gonna play like metal or pop you should be able to just feel four and eight mm-hmm. you know what i mean um you should at a certain point you're just not gonna count it's gonna it's... come natural and what you should be acclimating yourself to is the feeling of knowing where four and eight is, not counting where yeah. four and eight is, if that yeah. makes sense. So I kind of translated that to comedy is where, like, I don't want to know in a tape where I fuck up. I want to know in the moment where I fuck mm-hmm. up. Yeah, be <laughs> like, more aware of, like, when you're starting to go down a, a road on stage that's not the audience doesn't want to. Oh, it's okay. She yeah. tends to make that. <laughs> Silent appearances yeah. from time to time. No, but I, yeah, I do see those parallels of like, I felt that uh, last night I was hosting and uh, I could feel like the direction I was starting to go. They were kind of like going like mm-hmm. this. And I was like, I just kind of turned yeah. and was like, all right, on to the next thing. Like, I didn't want to go any farther. And it, but I used to not like speak, I used to do that. I used to keep going and kind of just, it was more about, I wanted to like, I was really focusing on just kind of like making it for me as opposed to making it for everyone else, which is, 
that's so hard to do sometimes like to really know what everyone else wants like especially if you're like a, a host you know or like a first comic up you, you do have like the okay this i just gotta put my best foot forward and hope that you know they like this because you don't have like any any sort of feedback yet it's another weird like music parallel but it's always why like i love being a, bla a bass player and like the purpose that serves in a band but i always think the concept of being a dj is so cool because you take like this silent read of a room and drive like a whole energy yeah and it's kind of like in a sense and like that's a sensibility that both musically and with comedy i don't have the best yet that's where i'm still learning i consider myself someone that writes individually okay and then kind of has to get their sea legs with being live kind of similar to just learning a count or whatever mm -hmm. else and it's really interesting how many parallels there are with something like learning a measure and like having beats with like writing a riff and stuff like yeah, that. yeah like but, how you mentioned like the you mentioned the example <laughs> being that my friend's a dj and he's constantly looking for that track or that you know something that's like that people don't know that also translate that that same energy that you know could surprise them which is the element of mm -hmm. you know a joke and the element of like uh, a really good riff in a song or a change in a song uh and yeah i love those like dj sets that have like a little um like really niche like sample of something from like the 70s oh, it's like yeah. extra taste we like really mm -hmm. respect them like 10 times and like being bass players, like they'll pick up on like some really cool like seventies funk yes. or something sometimes where I'm like, oh, like this DJ like gives a shit about gap band. <laughs> yeah. Like something really cool. Makes me like really and respect take, it. Yeah, and they'll add like a new element over it and you're like, Oh, I didn't even think of that and now it's and now it's it's the original song and it's also that now for you. They've like uh they've, you know, taken that feeling and expanded it. Yeah, I love I love hearing that too and like uh uh and some of this i've been i've been listening to a lot of uh like alice in chains and like ugly kid joe and like just these i love both just these yeah. but but in particular the songs that they have that are really like groovy and heavy like just like mm -hmm. uh and i i i've been searching for just that lane like i've been like trying to find all these songs that have the same just kind of like really groovy heavy it it's it's almost metal but it's not like it and it's i don't know what it is about it lately but that's just been like the lane that i've been in and i've been like man this is so good like like i feel like groove metal has this like weird i don't know middle of a venn diagram between like pentatonic blues and kind Dude, of like a thrash yes. feel <laughs> uh, yeah um it's weird but Jerry Cantrell's playing is like an almost acoustic version of what that groove feel is, if that makes sense. And I think that's why I like it so much. It's got that like soulful, um, like bluesy energy, but also a very metal, like kind of coldness to mm -hmm. it. That's really different. Even today, I can't really think of a guitar player that's like a similar um, person to like Jerry Cantrell and Lane Staley, mm -hmm. even like, you know what I mean? That's why. I, Honestly, to me, like he was Alice in Chains, even though like that guitar work is still like phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. There's really memorable riffs where like I'll go over them like in my head and they're just as memorable as the mm -hmm. hook sometimes. But like Lance. Yeah, like. <laughs> there are YouTubes I've watched where they like review how there are almost like 
I can't remember like what the feedback was on it or what the overall assessment was, but he had like something unique about his voice where like other humans almost can't like hit the range. There was something I've heard that you could hear the like vibrating out of his diaphragm while he was singing because it was so loud coming like the vibration he could create. Like, and it looked effortless. There's like video of him singing where like Jerry's holding the mic for him, just like in a room, and Mm -hmm. Lane's just standing there. And he's just hitting that high where he's like, yeah, and he's just going. And it's so hard to do it. Like, were, were they, was it Them Bones, like the song? I like, think it was, it was either Them Bones or it was something where he's, yeah, he's just hitting those like crazy high scream that he does. But it looks like he's, it doesn't look like he's doing, and there's no strain. He's just kind of like standing there. And it looks like he's just really like letting it come out of him. And it's, it's fucking weird because you look at anybody else trying to do that. Like the funniest example is like the singer of Puddle of Mud a, a while ago <laughs> trying to <laughs> try to cover uh, a Nirvana song. But like that strain is just like. <laughs> so many people like looped that horrible. It's so funny to watch back because it just gets it, it gets funnier as yeah, time goes on. Bulging, like trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why he didn't just try to sing it in a different key. Like it was just. Yeah, he has an amazing voice too. Like mm-hmm. it's not my style of music or whatever, but like if you're gonna do that style, he has a good voice, and like people yeah. pick up on it in like a popular capacity for a reason. Like I'm definitely kind of. I don't know. People would probably consider me a cynical person, but I don't think that cynicism has to be separate from like appreciating like, you know, things that are popular, if that makes sense. I consider some things like in a popular capacity, like being geared toward mass appeal. So like, of course, it's going to be a little more simplistic and catchy. Mm -hmm. Like, how relatable is it to a person that like doesn't play bass to sit here and ruminate on the stuff that I like personally? So like... Of yeah. course, not going to be overly cynical about someone else's taste, but then also, like, I do play bass, so like, of course, I care about like musical integrity and like writing. And for people that do care about that, I will talk about it. It doesn't mean that I mm-hmm. think like popular is bad or simplistic is bad. It just isn't what resonates with me as much, you know. <laughs> no, I, I I can vibe with that. Like, it's it's hard to not. Like you, it's almost like we you hear it no matter what because of advertising, and mm-hmm. it's just pushed onto you. Like the new Harry Styles music, yeah. I've heard most of the album. I realized through ads and through just through an ad of listen to this album, and mm-hmm. it, you, I don't think people take into account sometimes the amount of money that goes into uh, like the top level artists, like like those people and how how much of it is just it's some of the only thing that people see that they check out so they're almost just like they don't even they're like i just have to listen to this because it's like they need to you know it's either that or you just keep seeing the ad and you keep seeing the ad and you're like me and my friends like earlier today we're having like a super random but kind of synonymous conversation about how like certain companies can almost well not almost but absolutely do monopolize search terms because they own the search engine kind of and so like that's exactly like in a musical capacity what companies like spotify are doing right Mm -hmm. where like of course the artists that they endorse or want to like bubble up to the top are because they're going to be empowered by like those different algorithms and things like that and not to say that like 
they're bad because of course it gives you like exposure to like an audience that I know that I wouldn't have had but also like the constructs of it enable people that are obviously like empowered by the marketing engines and stuff that be Mm -hmm. uh, to make those things a little bit more I guess like accelerated or easy to just be more in the view of of so many yeah. like i don't yeah like it's hard like, to it, like they can afford to like kind of like how um back in the day with like terrestrial radio like clear channel had this concept of like that's the background or like what i do as a day job or used to do as a day job and they kind of enabled this concept called like less is more and the overall like thinking behind it was like we'll put more one minute commercials into the same like three minute block kind of it mm-hmm. um basically what it did was just empower advertising to run um music in a sense because it it's hard to explain but the way they looked at it from like a monetization perspective um as you notice like you'll see like oh these same four or five artists are on every station like why is that and it's contractual agreements and Mm -hmm. it's advertisers and it's the way that and they're part of all the ads like they're in the ad like they're advertiser and the like hosting platform are opted in with each other and then artists to like accelerate their advertising and it's like people that don't see that feel really bad about like their views and stuff and it's like don't says nothing about the quality about you just don't have the exposure (laughs) yeah if you look at how yeah you can look at you know a lot of the insights and stuff and how much like your reach on stuff when you're posting like as one person Mm -hmm. you know it's it's vastly different than like a person that has like a blue check, like, or something that's, uh, has like millions of followers. Like they can just, and it's nothing, it's nothing like negative. It's just like the, yeah. yeah, Don't like the people that are like, what is going, it's like, dude, you just, you're only, you're only getting to like two or 300 people. Yeah. Like, it's like, (laughs) especially if you're into like a niche type of music on top of that, then your sample size is already smaller. And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, like you have artists that are probably already empowered to like dominate those particular search terms so it's like almost harder to break through in a sense like yeah yeah it's true and i i actually saw something the other day that uh i don't know how much truth there is to this but there's like something about tiktok employees kind of having um some control over like what goes viral Interesting. and like and like uh it not being totally up to the algorithm if it, they kind of have like some sort of which i mean I don't know how I feel about it because on one end you're like, well, do we want it to be totally 100% up to the, the algorithm itself yeah. to drive everything? Because then it's like just this kind of, I don't know how it would kind of just, you know, go with, there's no like uh, kind of like uh, interference where that with like them looking at it, you're like, well, yeah. what are they what are they posting or what are they not post? What are they, what are they choosing to go? What are they not choosing? There's like, like what metrics are they using to decide yeah. quality or like how many people should see something? <laughs> exactly. Like, just like with, you know, yeah, it's like really interesting time to just that with Twitter and yeah. with, uh, you know, with Facebook and like the whole like uh, propaganda and for, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't even know. I, I I like to like I like to do this with people sometimes. Just uh, search something on their phone and search something on my phone, and mm. then just see what pops up. Like just hold them up next to each other. Yeah. Because like sometimes I'll get the same results with people, and then sometimes it's like we get totally different. That's one results. thing about TikTok that's super interesting to me. Like my 
background is in kind of like search engines and like that type of stuff. And so I sort of understand um, metrics and different like search term weighting and like quality score type stuff for how that works, both on like a SEM and SEO, like front end and back end capacity. But with TikTok, it's like the wild west to me. Um, I kind of can understand the way that it um, bubbles certain popular things to the top. And I understand that engagement drives it. Mm-hmm. It's based on really quick engagement and frequent engagement, but beyond those metrics, like I don't know anything about how it works. All I know yeah. is that like certain people will post, I don't know, they've even told me, right? Like we probably have mutual friends that have had viral videos and they'll tell you outside of shows and stuff, like just talking. Like oh, I on this on this podcast, a lot of people it's so like... popular and these other ones that I'm way more proud of, nobody liked. <laughs> like mm-hmm going on <laughs> yeah and then like instagram versus or sorry reels versus tiktok mm-hmm. video too i've had some videos get significantly higher views on tiktok versus reels and then also the opposite and so yeah it's in the, i think last episode i think luigi was saying also he's like i have no idea how it works he goes i just i don't try to get the views and it's just like we post i think it's i've heard different things like quantity over quality like that being able like, to like post I've heard a lot, that even yeah, yeah, like being able to have a lot up there and being post frequently, just to get yourself into like the up there with people that are doing that to be considered, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't. Who you know? It's like, and then also it's like, who knows? I don't know. It's like I posted a video that it took me four seconds to make, and it's the highest viewed video that I have. It, yeah, I did it in one take. It was like, I just did this quick little thing, added the filter, it worked posted it and then it, it's the highest viewed video and it makes it's like i don't know what i did differently i, mean, I didn't really i guess i just didn't care about it it's like i guess you just don't yeah. <laughs> i need to just translate my apathy to tiktok and like hopefully just stay consistent and apathetic and like something will work because like Damn, i'm not super motivated by it but i also know that it's something i absolutely need to do because that's where the audience is and that's where you're going to find people i just like my passion for making things is more like long form content yeah if i were to have like a vision for something or want to create it i think that like maybe teasing like little short skits that eventually eventually like lead to like a like series or something that people could translate um mm-hmm. on youtube or whatever platform that was free would be kind of cool just because it hasn't been done yet outside of a couple like shows that i can name that eventually got picked up from smaller platforms but that would be more fun to me i also know that's not how attention spans work now <laughs> and yeah. that's how audiences work now in terms of like engaging with content so i've got to adapt eventually <laughs> like i mean that's true because i like the the streams of this versus like the views and the clips, it's like more t- more often than not, like the clip is like what's driving like people to come to the page, and then there is people listening to the episode. But then, yeah, like I think TikTok almost too. Like what I try to just do, and who knows, dude? But I just try to like make like if I see a filter that I'm like, oh, that looks like it's not too complicated to do. Yeah. I guess I just try to do that and then like anything that I can just, if it comes to me quickly and I'm like, oh, this is funny to me a little bit and I can see yeah. it working, then I'll try to execute it. But beyond that, it's like, I don't know what you, yeah. It's like if you, 
I guess you just eventually end up in a lane, and then you just gotta like stick in like you like it's like a plinko chip. You kind of just fall into where like this is what people want to see from you on here, and then yeah, that's what you... I'm scared of, kind of because I like <laughs> like what if it's not what you want to do? And like I really love doing that, and I think it would be fun, but then. I really do want to use it to promote comedy, whether it be like clips or shows or whatever that transitions into, but mm -hmm. fuse those things together and make those audiences, I guess, interested in the same thing or not, and just happen to intersect on the same platform. And then I guess there's a part of me that wonders if that's possible, because I can't really name anybody that's like popular for not popular, but you know what I mean, like successful at both, whatever their definition of that might be. And so it's yeah. like, I don't know. I don't really know what I want to like make my uh, endeavor for that. You know what I mean? My yeah. dedicated lane. I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> like, True. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you too, like, did you, did you start uh, stand up like after, uh, after college or during college, after college? Like where was it? Where did you kind of like start doing comedy um, i did like my first like two sets in college when i was at sf state they had a open mic that was in like the college pub area there's like a arcade and like this one rec room where they would have stuff like that and it was a mixed mic so there'd okay. be a handful of people trying comedy there would be a handful of people doing whatever I started at a mixed mic too it's a it's interesting it, vibes at a mixed it mic. really was <laughs> people i will say like college communities are pretty supportive of each other which is kind of cool like you don't really get hecklers i feel like because it's other students that are mostly your friends so as long as you i don't know I'm more receptive I, I to hearing like your idea. It was particularly good, but I think just the fact that I was able to get through like three minutes and like it was as entertaining as something I would do in class or maybe a little bit more. And people were like, hey, good job. And like really endearing. We're at a bar. I don't know if I would have had as nice of a first experience as I did in college. True. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. And like, you're, they're, they're, were there like poet, were there like poets and stuff there too? Were there, yeah, absolutely. There were like spoken word people and then like a couple of acoustic guitar. I think folks. that helps <laughs> a little bit because that stuff is sometimes pretty serious. And the sense. topic is pretty like, it can be engaging because it is so intense at times. Yeah. Or like you can, you know, a lot of like, you could feel that emotion with them. And yeah. I think I've had to like, I had to go up after like a poet several times and it was always like this it felt like a almost um like a release a little bit of we're gonna stop being emotional for a second and we're gonna like we're gonna try to he's gonna try to make us laugh now so it's like it it, it was kind of like a and it, it did feel like there was um yeah like a little more receptiveness at those kind of places for comedy yeah. i mean there's still a mixed mic that i'll go to in salinas on fridays uh, shout out to the bearded bean uh there's a it's a great uh <clears throat> yeah it's a great mixed mic that they do and they yeah th that crowd's been pretty receptive they're pretty receptive of comedy too and uh that's awesome yeah <laughs> mixed mics are fun but they could, yeah comedy could also kill the kill the vibe there a little bit if there's too many people too many comics yeah it does like kind of stack up a little better when there's like an even number of everyone but 
yeah if there's like one dominating like medium like eight guitar players and one comedian it's like obviously going to be kind of awkward but i learned that if there's a good mix mic that you like to go work on stand-up on don't tell or don't post and tell other comics because then it just it, <laughs> you can like <laughs> just like in a weird way it's like it's selfish but so good too because the objective read of like a bunch of strangers with not a lot of other comics is super valuable it's great yeah it's valuable yeah <laughs> you're like oh, this is this is actually nice and refreshing you know it's not like it's not a um it almost feels like a it almost feels like you're on like it's like a similar vibe to like a a show where there's not like the majority isn't like it's like it's not open mic where there's like like a lot of comics there in the audience yeah, yeah that 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 vibe of just the people is is great that's what i was talking on the i i did uh i did jd and corday in the, the voice party the other day oh, nice. that's and, uh, a really cool podcast and show yeah it was a lot of fun we were talking about the similar kind of thing of like performing in front of people that you know like a family mm. or like a significant other or something and like how how i like kind of struggle with that a little bit yeah uh, i'm the same and it's i bomb in front of about... friends and do well for the strangers it's really weird <laughs> it's like yeah it's weird because it's like you're i don't know what it is it's like you want to be like this you're trying to be this version of yourself i guess that you're like worried that they'll take and it'll like disappoint them. I think in my head, or at least that's kind of what I think of is like, yeah. I don't want you to I like, you like, this isn't, I'm just being, you know, ridiculous or funny. I'm just trying to be yeah, funny. Like, that it's makes like, sense where you kind of don't want to hurt their feelings with like having, or at least me, that's kind of how I feel sometimes where I don't know why, but I think like, I don't know if I'm just like hyper focused and like cynical in a way that doesn't affect me emotionally in a way that affects others or whatever. But sometimes people will say like, oh, wow, like that was like scathing or like harsh. And I'm like, it's just a joke. I don't, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? I wasn't meaning to be as critical as you felt, if that makes sense. And so I guess my long winded point is like, I'm not trying to hurt feelings. Um, I'm just trying to like find a place that's funny in between like the scathing observation and whatever comes out of my mouth. And sometimes people get their feelings hurt by some of my observations. And it's like, God, this isn't my perception of you as a person. This is just a punchline about a type of person that I hope yeah. that you separate yourself from. Because if I thought you were bad and terrible, I obviously wouldn't be hanging out with you all the time, you know? <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah, I I, I I I agree with that. I identify with that. Do you have like an actual studio you're in or is that part of your house? Um, this is my bedroom actually. Uh, I have this little like, uh, it's almost like, it's like a counter, like a vanity, I guess. I don't know what to call it. My bed, it's like in the corner. I noticed like soundproofing or something. Oh so yeah, I, like... I have these, uh, I bought some paneling just to, because this mic was really echoing in the space and I have a bunch like oh. behind up over here too, just because it was like, I'm just trying to make it, you know, sound as best I can. But yeah, it's just like a soundproofing that I got on Amazon. Nice. Um, yeah, and then uh, I uh, I I just figured out how to use um, my interface with my iPhone. Gotcha. Uh, with like to, I can also record. I've plugged my bass into it now too, so I can like I can listen to my bass through my headphones and just kind of play through my interface which was like a game changer because I don't have an amp at home. 
And so oh, I nice. was like, whoa, this is really cool. Uh, I just got one of those like USB uh, to lightning. That's really cool. Um, I did get one of those for bass and guitar too because my neighbors have a baby. And so even quiet bass through a wall is pretty loud. Mm-hmm. They're most of the time I can tell when they're gone because like you can hear most, you know, when people are in and out and when you've lived next to someone long enough, you kind of know their schedule. So I know yeah. like Saturday, Sunday mornings, I can kind of do my thing. But if I want to play at night, I definitely need to do it through headphones or something. That's what I do now is just do the um, line in uh, with my bass and then line out with headphones nice. through a amplifier that's redundant. <laughs> like, it's, it's that. I mean, that's like, it's still being able to play, play through headphones with bass is great because it's like it's still you still hear it and it's not like yeah like you said it's like it's that the frequency that goes through walls pretty quickly and it's yeah that's the one people complain about the most (laughs) in my case when you live in like a 70s like san francisco apartment (laughs) not the uh most avant-garde engineering around me (laughs) that's funny um something's happening out there uh no yeah that's what i dealt with like earlier it was just super i want to say like people were dealing with like the tragedy of the niners loss or something because there's just like loudness through a couple of walls in the hallway and i was like i'm just gonna move to a different room and let you guys console yourselves because there's some some bets that went wrong and that's the the consequence i uh i saw in your bio there's a a website link for odd times inc and I was curious, yeah. is that like, is that something you help? Uh, you help that was do? a show I was producing for a while. Um, now it's just kind of tied to just little pop-up shows that I do every once in a while. Okay. Um, <laughs> I grow mushrooms and sell them to like a handful of people. And nice. so I put the mailing list like doing that um, every once in a while, just because friends that are on that list are like, oh, you do comedy and ask me about it. Um they've asked me about show opportunities and stuff. And then because I also kind of am still friends with all the people I played music with in like high school and college, uh, it's pretty easy for me to schedule music shows and stuff. So with those pop-ups, I'm just doing music shows that I hope to incorporate comedy into uh, from that. I figured since I already bought like the space and like the hosting and stuff, I'll just keep the brand um, alive, find a couple of different venues and do it that way. Right now, I'm kind of working two different roles at one job, if that makes sense. So, like, a job and a half, and then comedy on top of that. And so, until that half contract is over, I can't... I just feel kind of like I'm at my threshold. But once that's over, I kind of want to figure out... I know I need to pick up something as a next step, and I'd love to keep producing shows under that brand. Um, It's something I put a lot of work into. I produced, like, two shows, and then the pandemic happened. (laughs) And so many different things obviously like for all of us took off in different directions but Mm -hmm. truly nightclubs where i was producing were not open (laughs) and prioritizing that over all the other things obviously wasn't top of mind and so it's something that's kind of remnant there uh it's definitely a priority and something i put a lot of work into but i need to figure out uh what exactly i want to do with it now that i have a mailing list people that i know are interested in music and comedy um and a couple of different venues and like how do we get on a schedule and who can I work with to, I guess, make that totally like middle and um, consistent, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. So I, was I mean, like bi monthly uh, at the time that I was producing it. And I feel like it's kind of not enough sometimes to really build that 
list that you have, right? Because once I have yeah. like a couple of people on a list that come to a show, you have to expand from that. And I feel like frequency really does help. Frequency, I don't, I mean, I'm not, the only ones I've helped with that are frequent are like the Blue Lagoon and like, uh, like recently, like Rosie McCann's in Santa Cruz, like really just the weekly stuff in Santa Cruz I've helped with. And I noticed that, the consistency does create like there's people that come for stretches of time and then they kind of mm-hmm. peter off and then they come back. But I've also been doing my monthly show now for, I'm kidding. I'm coming up on the fifth year now. I'm doing my show in Salinas monthly. And uh-huh. I've noticed that I have a very consistent group. And last night is the first night that I um, like start. I think I did a, I, we started charging at the door. And it like still had that consistent group coming out. That's awesome. And so that was like a cool thing to see. And like, you know, now it's kind of, uh, I'm looking to, you know, just continue to expand and, and continue to like grow that and hopefully, you know, um, get that same group of people and new, a bunch of new people that, you know, they had never heard of the show at all and i was like wow i've been doing a lot of advertising for this it's like early bringing it back looping it back to the advertising thing doing a yeah. lot of advertising in this one town this one area you know like always out there always posting it always you know having posters up in the window of the venue always online on eventbrite all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and still feeling like still seeing so many people being like damn never knew this was you know a thing you're like you live in salinas yeah do you come downtown yeah what am I doing? How can I not? And you're like, yeah, I, you're like, so you just to kind of rack your brain. Like, how can I get this out there more? You know? And like, yeah, I am doing, uh, getting it like in the Monterey weekly pit in the paper and like all the online event calendars and stuff. And you're like, damn. Yeah. I still am. You're still, there's still people that just, you, you realize it's just like, yeah, people just don't, some people just don't even pay attention. It's like they, yeah i can be like that sometimes honestly like even with the shows that i want to go to until i get like a reminder like a friendly kick i do forget about things just because i get so caught up in stuff so it's like true i don't fault people that say they're gonna come to shows and don't because i understand what it's like to be busy but then also like god what is the difference between you and the people that do decide to come and like how do i find more of them because mm-hmm. obviously they're there i've been to full shows <laughs> like yeah even on weekends but yeah and it's definitely and then there's like they're like like yeah i'll be back again and you see them come back and you're like or you like yeah like uh there's like brian like brian snyder show in santa cruz at the mountain brewery i feel like he just always every week there's just always people there and it's like it's like wild to me that no matter what you can kind of there's just gonna people are gonna gather and it's like a it becomes a thing that people know about and it's like yeah, there's so many of those. Like, there's like I feel like there's endless bar shows. I keep finding new ones all over the place on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I'm like, where people get out booked on them, and I'm like, I've seen it been going for years, and I'm like, how have I never heard of this? And then it's like the same thing again. You're like, what yeah, are they doing? I live in. <laughs> I actually just saw one pop up, and like, I don't know whose show it is, so it's like I don't want to. Go- into too much detail but like it was at burnt ramen that was in emeryville which was like a really cool venue for like hardcore shows and stuff back in the day and i always thought places like gilman or burnt ramen would be so cool to convert 
to comedy and there's already like people doing that and i was like man i wish i would have heard about this like when i first moved here because mm. i would have been like one of the first even like as a fan i would have gone to those shows not even tried to network it's just a cool venue to have them in mm -hmm. i really want to see more stuff like that too where like a long time ago like mid early 2000s they had venues like the pound and like bottom of the hill and on days where they weren't doing like alt type music they were doing stuff like either comedy or like you know what i mean um maybe not improv but like open mics and that kind of stuff yeah. which is really accessible to like the artist community and i would love to see more stuff like that in in more places that i guess are also synonymous with like metal or alt music and that kind of stuff because you don't see as much of it anymore i would say the closest thing or semblance i have to that here now is probably milk bar because they have like i wouldn't say that they have metal there often but they have bands that are it's like, different and it's like how the, with the blue lagoon feels like that like they have a lot of like, yeah like punk metal and rock shows there they really do <laughs> and they're cool like i i've gone to a handful of them and they're like it's fun in that back room like it's you don't think that you can get like a whole like pit going in there but when you're at the comedy show but it gets it gets it, a little rowdy in there it's fun yeah that's uh, awesome it's a really cool venue i didn't realize until i had gone there like fairly recently but yeah um like, there's like multiple rooms and stuff and like both of them are pretty cool <laughs> and like i i've always just like i think i i went there when i first moved here just like randomly in santa cruz on a weekend with my friends and we like went in there because it looked like a fun bar and i was like wow this is a neat place and then like and then hearing that it was comedy and then hearing how long it's been going on there it's just like it feels like this like never-ending um like place of just stories from pe different people when they show up it's just like they have it's yeah. like so much has happened there it's you can't even really like yeah it's like all these other venues you're talking about too like so much has happened in a lot of these places that yeah people just kind of like take it it does they're not taking it for granted but they're it's just they don't they don't even know it's just like this it's like this unknown stuff that's like cool to some people to others it's like yeah so what that happened here like it's yeah who cares about what happened here you're like no it's i mean <laughs> i kind of feel that way about uh i found out like or not i found out but it's like fairly public that like piano fights closing like within the next couple months in sf and they're like so important to the community the between like sketchfest and improv and comedy shows and enabling musicians and stuff they've done so many cool things and like I've had some of the most like fun sets like at the most important times of figuring out like god do i even want to do this like is there a place in this for me or like do i even enjoy it you know those very first steps and they kind of helped me access that and it sucks to see places like that leave like it's so important and even like beyond myself because obviously i'm just another asshole like trying to get good at comedy there's like a gazillion people like me but there are people that with sketchfest alone that are people that i look up to like i like tried my ass off like to go see um dan levy because i really liked like a lot of his work with like his screenwriting and stuff so i was really curious about stand-up and like couldn't even get a ticket i ended up getting into like one of his shows when he was here with like a press pass because of my day job or whatever but 
had I not been able and I guess case in point like they had people like that at piano fight <laughs> and so just the scale of someone entry level like me mm-hmm. somebody like won like I'm pretty sure they won like a award of some kind for that the writing of that tv show um Schitt's Creek and all of that and yeah. very very person like it's kind of crazy how many people are like anywhere from two degrees to no degrees of separation from you that have worked in all these venues and mm-hmm. you kind of do have to zoom out sometimes and be like wow like so many people really did take their first steps here and even though it may feel like a dive bar that doesn't have this like lore or connection to other people it's really important to you know the community that you want to be successful in or mm-hmm. it's obviously still thriving for a reason you know yeah yeah you made it yeah so yeah thinking about like people that take their some yeah take their first drives at certain places and like being in those venues and um yeah like being at places like the punchline and 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 all these other like just historic uh places you're like sometimes you're just i'm just kind of like sitting there looking around like like what am i even trying to do like like looking at people on the wall you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna try to go be like and get a reaction like that like (laughs) like like i really Yeah. yeah i constantly constantly feel myself like realizing zoom like what you said zooming out and stuff it's like just more and more being like yeah like there's a lot more to this than what i know right now and i what i thought Mm -hmm. i knew and what i look back and look at what i you know thought about then and what i'm thinking about now and what Mm -hmm. i'm like i'll probably not even be thinking about this down the you know just it's yeah to be aware of that and to be like i'm just kind of like on this timeline that has an uncertain end but i know that that just continues (laughs) yeah that's kind of like i guess the only thing that's like changed about or i guess evolved in a way like since i was just i am still first starting out but i mean like first year versus like where i'm at now with things is like I have a certain patience, I guess. Um, it's not even like an expectation, but I do, I guess I just don't have expectations of anything but myself. Uh, and it makes it easier for me Dude, that's uh, a big to just kind of have blinders on, stay out of what everyone else is doing, because frankly, if you're not collaborating, it's not going to behoove you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not healthy to fixate on what everyone else is doing. And frankly, like, people can like ego wank their highlight reel all day <laughs> like until you know there's like some kind of like tangible evidence that people are doing whatever they're doing even influencers right like mm-hmm. you shouldn't really fixate on something that's going to only i guess set your own self-esteem back if that makes sense where don't get me wrong if you like watch people and it motivates you and that kind of stuff to get outside yourself and do all of that um, if it doesn't, I don't think there's any shame in like taking baby steps, um, focusing on what you think is good, mm-hmm. even what that is, because I feel like if you really drill down on a lot of people and ask them, like, define quality for me, like, what's good? What is success? Their answer will really make you depressed. <laughs> like, they don't even know. Mm-hmm. Like, I think affirmation is really what they're looking for. And once you kind of have the maturity yeah. to see through that, you're like, wow. 
you know, what am, what, to your point, what the fuck am I really doing? And like, what am I doing here? And Mm -hmm. to me, I guess that's where I like insecure me was kind of just looking for that affirmation. Like, oh my God, did I get a laugh? And like kind of insecure after everything that came out of my mouth where like, now I'm just kind of like, no, this is my perspective. People, some people will like it. Some people will hate it. It'll probably be 50 50. And I just need to learn to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Operate with integrity and have an end goal and just know what the hell my next steps are. And if I can do that, then I think I'll have a healthy relationship with this. If I get too far outside of that mentality, I think that I'll probably just knowing my own naivety and being stupid, like, slip into like the wrong crowds of people and so that's just kind of how i operate it's really simplistic maybe even naive to its own degree but in being simplistic it makes it easy to just focus on what i want to do which is write and get better and frankly at the end of the day the only people that can or the only person that can make you better at that is you like you and your tape taking feedback from whoever you find it valuable from and are you going to make those adjustments or are you not like yeah like how much uh, yeah how much time are you like yeah how much time are you looking at tape how much time are you listening to yourself how much time are you how much time are you getting that flow we're talking about earlier about like how much time are you developing that feel Um, Mm -hmm. and like how much time are you really thinking about like or having a purpose at Somebody told me once, I think it might have been Xander or somebody else was just like explaining purpose at like open mics and like Mm -hmm. uh, and shows and just like having like a having like a uh, just kind of a goal for the night and just trying to hit it, but also being honest about if you did or not and like looking at ways to improve that. And uh, yeah, for a while there, like. So like we were saying earlier, like when I was first, like the first thoughts weren't that. The first thoughts were like, oh, just make sure you're not like staring at the floor. Like that was like yeah. the biggest one for a while. Don't walk back. Don't step backwards and don't stare at the floor. And then yeah. it's like, okay, I'm not doing I'm that. Still but that. I'm still not even close to like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> um, well, I wanted to, I want to get to these other, um, these other topics here before we uh before the zoom kicks us out again uh (laughs) but this was one thing i wanted to bring up because i've never heard of this and i didn't know that this is a thing that they could you could do but i guess it works uh there there's like obviously in new york the rats are pretty bad um and they're i guess they're trying different ways to deal with them and uh one of the ways they're doing it is to uh dump dry ice into like these uh-huh. holes the rat holes and all these where they find them and like the rat the dry ice will just like uh it just kind of will kill them and i think it's something that's that's not it's not that because they i think they know what the rat poison is now and so it's like this new effective way and it's just i am like i wonder if there's just a bunch of like holes in new york people walk around where it's just like the dry ice is just kind of like <laughs> like billowing out everywhere and it's just like it's new york's just foggy <laughs> yeah and it just looks like a it looks like it looks like a set of like a like a horror like a night in the night set of like a horror film is about to start it's like foggy street everywhere <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird like I, I i i don't know it's just i i can yeah i can't deal i can't really deal with rats like i'm i they freak me out and so yeah 
this would just be a wild it's job. one of the biggest things that like turned me off from like living in new york honestly it was like when i was weighing my options like they're like okay here's what new york will be like here's what san francisco will be like and i was like okay so like same rent but shitty winters and rats no thanks <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but yeah just to try out like that's yeah i that's that's what that would just be i would i would be so curious i'd be like but then it'd be like you just walk over to this it's such a it's a just a scary image of just this foggy hole and then rats just like just start sprinting out and you're like fuck like it's just nightmare <laughs> fuel yeah, it just seems like the it seems like the that's gonna be the next like Batman movie. Like it's just like Robert Pattinson has to deal with like this rat man. Or like, just like the most horrible scenario you could possibly think of, and it's just like rats and dry ice. <laughs> just this this rat king that just like it's all it's like the giant just this giant rat king that he has to fight. Fuck. <laughs> That's a freaky thing that happens too, that they get all tangled up and then they just like eat each other and die or whatever. Like the, I, I like, I can't remember where I heard about that, but that's fuck rats, dude. Yeah. I'm not, I'm good off rats. Uh, (laughs) Did you, were you, uh, were you affected by the, um, were you affected by the, the rain? uh the storms at all yeah i would say so like i'm not one to go on like self-important diatribes about depression because i feel like so many of us deal with it like unless people have specific questions about that it's Mm -hmm. you know it did affect me in that way like because i'm very much like an outdoor person um but i guess the bigger thing is like I don't know what other people's like sources of happiness are like consistency, but mine all have to do with being outside. Um, I love to like either just like go on short hikes. I live like a mile from the beach. I know you're like close to Santa Cruz and probably relate to that as well. There's just something like therapeutic about it. And then yeah, I'm really close to like in in Marina down here. It's like the beach is like right there. And so, yeah, it is. There's something to, um, to like yeah getting out and to seeing seeing the sun seeing the water and stuff and yeah when i can't do that i find that i get kind of like isolated mm. um it's really easy for me even when i do socialize it tends to be like in smaller groups of people that also like nerdy outdoorsy stuff so it's like four people like wanting to go on a hike or like downhill skate like to a part of the beach and just hang out instead of (laughs) i'm older i'm not in like a party phase of my life it's about as much excitement as i need in my weekend and when it's super rainy and depressing it's a lot harder to get out and do that stuff and it's also harder to motivate yourself to like want to if that makes sense yeah it's uh yeah i i I mean i where i grew up it's like so that's good but (laughs) uh where i grew up it's like mostly like that it's like just dark and cloudy and for like most Mm. of the year it's like actually i was it's i was kind of like in i don't know i don't want to say that i was like enjoying the storms because i wasn't like it but it 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 just reminded me of like the rainy weather of of like the winter time at home and it was kind of just like i was like ah damn like this is uh 
this is gnarly, but like also like the rain coming, I'm like, it was just kind of like relaxing a bit. Uh, it's just like, yeah. Uh, but it was like, you just realized that California is just, yeah, California is not, not even close to like prepared for something like that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just sad to see like all the, all the, like what happened in Santa Cruz and, and like yeah. uh, all the surrounding cities right there. And it's just, um, yeah, it's just like, uh, I didn't even realize that until days later, but that's insane what happened to like the entire pier and stuff like that oh yeah like certain parts of it are just like gone and uh and there's yeah there's like just chunks of road like uh out by big sur like i guess there's certain parts of highway one that are just like you can't like it's closed like it's just i guess you can't even take can't take it all the way down uh, I think you can only go to like Carmel, maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty gnarly too. Like, just huge chunks of of whole like highway missing. You're like, how long is that gonna take? You know, to <laughs> <laughs> to rebuild. That's uh, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Here we didn't really deal with as much of that kind of stuff, but I live close to like Highway One, and that's like it shuts down like every couple days because there's so much sand that like flows over like onto the road that they can't even like maintain it anymore. Basically, it's just like unsafe to drive on for several weeks at a time. It doesn't affect me as much because I don't go in a direction where I have to utilize it really. But man, if you saw the next door <laughs> in my neighborhood, people have strong feelings about it. <laughs> <laughs> that app is so hilarious here because like, as you can imagine, like people are pretty privileged. Even like the worst thing that we can complain about is still pretty chill. <laughs> and like just the pedantic things that people scream at each other about like sometimes like when i feel myself getting frustrated at stupid things i'll go and like read it and be like don't be like this person just like <laughs> let it go zoom out remember a past life because these people are arguing about shrubberies and like hoa like regulations and like you don't want to be that <laughs> arguing about like highway one and it's like there's so many other freeways even if you did have strong feelings about it if that's your biggest problem like get bigger problems mm -hmm. yeah i i grew up yeah i grew up on where like there was like a an acre of pasture in between each like house like it was like there was no like it, yeah. unless there was like somebody over there like shooting off guns and being wild you know it's like you could do pretty much what like we were just we would just cut down trees around the place and like yeah nobody would you know just big ass trees falling no one's like that i could imagine like i can't i couldn't imagine being like in a rural area and like going over and trying to complain about what somebody's doing like it would be it'd be an interesting social experiment but it would be like even the stuff people complain about here blows my mind where like there are a couple slow streets like where i live and it's like every other cross street basically so if they intersect even if there is a slow street there's one that basically goes perpendicular to it that you can go that same direction it just is a really quick little reroute and people are so you can still park there all that hence the name slow street but people are like flipping out that they can't drive 
through the street and if you look at what's actually going on there during the day it's like kids playing street hockey and like families having a good time and stuff i even like walked through my neighborhood and saw like a people like roller skating and there was like a little bouncy house like in the middle of like where their neighborhood was and it was like people are happy dude like what do you really need just like go what 10 miles an hour faster through this one street it's Mm kind of wild like i get being in a rush i've been there but also like you can adjust there i feel like we to go. your face <laughs> without being super caring about it it's like totally it reminds me of that meme like the simpsons one with like mr skinner's like are they still arguing and it's like oh, no it's the children who are wrong <laughs> <laughs> Like, what are you angry about? It's like the children are playing street hockey out here, and I'm trying to go 25 instead of 10, like, through this oh, space. Man. It's like, you're ridiculous, man. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's a great um, place to uh, to wrap up the episode. This has been really cool. I've enjoyed uh, <laughs> uh, talking today. Um, where, can, uh, where can people follow you at and uh, let them know, like, if you have any shows coming up in the next few weeks or stuff like that? Yeah, definitely. I feel like the best place to find shows or more stuff that will kind of tease into things that I'm working on, whether it be like YouTube um, or eventual podcast related, uh, would be just to follow my Instagram. Pretty simple with uh, Sarah Kahari Comedy. Um, that's K-H-A-R-R-I in case that's hard to sound out. <laughs> Um, I tend to just kind of tease shows there. I have a couple coming up in Berkeley in early February, um, one in Half Moon Bay in late March, and a couple at Milk Bar as well um, in San Francisco for the remainder of February. So just check my Instagram, follow me. Uh, That is about the only thing I post consistently right now. So uh, rest assured, you won't be spammed with anything other than flyers and my dog sleeping (laughs) in my stories. So if you do want to come to a show, I uh, would really appreciate it. Um, yeah, just follow my stuff. Uh, I'll be posting more and linking out to other things that I start to work on. And just as I kind of move along, hope that I maintain your interest in some way and that you find one in any of the projects that I work on. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Please make sure to like and subscribe on any platform you're on right now and head over to Instagram or Facebook. Give the page at I'm Getting There Pod a follow to continue to stay updated on this. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>